What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode. Today, we've got my good friend, Edward O'Daniel, and we talk about a lot of crazy stuff. He's a one-armed man who's going to learn to play golf. He will dominate everything and make you earn it, no matter what it is you're trying to compete against him with. And I think that mental fortitude is the foundation of getting out of your own way. I'm excited for you to listen to this episode. Let's hear what he has to say. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Guyao Now Show. I'm your host, Bob McIntosh. And today we have the one, the only, Mr. Edward O'Daniel. And um, Ed, Edward, I don't. I always call you Ed in my head. And then I realized, I don't know if you'd like to go by that or not. I don't think I've ever actually asked you that or not. <laughs> Ed or Edward is fine here. It's like um, the old airplane movie. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um so we, we met a number of years ago through a real estate investing organization. And um, to be honest, I feel like we just kind of clicked when we talked. It just He's a super genuine guy. He's gone through a lot of interesting stuff, of which we're going to share some of that today. Um, as you know, if you're watching or listening to this show, this is all about getting out of your own way. And this singular individual right here has had to go through probably more than his fair share of things of getting out of his own way. And we'll talk about some of those as we go along. But as always, what's interesting to me and why I continue to do this show is we have great conversations. And my goal is to bring each and every one of you different, unique perspectives, right? It's not just about saying, oh, let's interview the biggest and the greatest. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with that, because they offer a lot of great perspective as well. But sometimes just people that you may not run across in your average day to day, who are just awesome individuals who have had some form of success getting out of their own way in every kind of way, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, all of those things I think are important because they all impact our businesses every single day. And that's why I'm very excited about this episode because I believe it brings a unique perspective that not many of us have had to face, but could definitely learn from uh, this this individual. So uh, Edward, thank you for being on, man. I appreciate you uh, coming awesome. on. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Bob. It's awesome. I did see you again. You're looking good. <laughs> trying to, trying to anyways. Um, so, um, so for anyone who has not met you, which some of my audience actually might have just because uh, of our coexistence for a number of years and overlap of people that we know, but for anyone who hasn't met you, uh, tell them a little bit about who you are, uh, what you do now, where you're at, um, and then we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, I tell you what here, Bob, I would have to say I'm probably going to be a unique individual. I'm one of those kind of guys when you see at the conference, you remember years later because I stand out. Why do I stand out? Because Right now, I'm a disabled veteran, and I'm missing my right arm. So this is uh, this is what my left arm, and my right arm is gone above the elbow. So when people see me, they honestly, it's kind of funny, Bob. A lot of people don't even realize I'm missing an arm at first because I'm just so natural in how I appear and, and just move. People don't even – I've had conversations with people and come back to them later and go, oh, my God, I didn't even notice that. So anyway, that's sort of my unique situation. But right now, I'm really just enjoying, I'm in the St. Louis, Missouri area. I'm just really enjoying uh, right now running my property management company, um, doing fix and flips, rehabs. And we actually just started um, earlier this year an education portion of that where we're educating landlords on rental properties to buy them effectively so that they can effectively cash flow them. We've seen enough people come through our company buying properties wrong and then that affecting their cash flow for the next year even though we're able to fix that you know it hurts so you know we we want to fix that before people get into that problem here so that's why we started our educational arm at uh, at the veteranlandlord.com so that's where i'm at right now but um sorry go ahead no no go yeah that's that's perfect i think i think that's super useful and look there's there's especially these days there's so many people buying real estate who have no context of what they should be doing they just 
here it's a good investment. So they dive in. <laughs> well, they dive in. That's true. But um, let me take a few steps back here. I obviously didn't just uh, fall out of bed and land where I'm at. Um, <laughs> you know, it took a lot of hard work. But um, this is actually my second career. Uh, my first career was actually spent 18 years in the IT business. Now, um, I'll kind of get back to that. But even prior to that, let me kind of give you some uh, some preframe here. Edward O'Daniel, 17 years old, not a great high school student, maybe C plus person. One of the first, uh, nobody in my family's went to college yet. So at the age of 17, when I graduated high school, I entered the military early, uh, the United States Army, go Army, uh, <laughs> with, the, uh, with the old GI Bill, if people remember that. I got $25,000 for uh, being in service for three years. So I said, hey, you know, it's a way for me to pay for college. Let me go ahead and move forward. And um, actually, at the time, I had to have a parental waiver. I'm sure it's the same way, but I, joining at 17, you're not a legal adult yet. So you can't sign a contract yet. So you have to have parental consent if you want to. It was only like a month and a half early for my birthday, but I had to get a parental consent. But regardless, joined the military, excelled very well. Me and the military just clicked. Um, I got medals. I got accommodations. I, I got uh, a bunch of other things for just really clicking with the policies and procedures that the military has with their standard operating procedure. If you've ever heard of that SOP. I've heard that my earth science teacher who was, it was a vet uh, that, that was, that was a phrase that he, he banged into our heads and I don't know, what was that? Maybe ninth grade, I think. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> yep. You're, and when you hear people say SOP, you kind of think that they've got some kind of a military background in their family, but uh, I, I assume so either that or they, or they went to my same earth science teacher. Either way. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I mean, right now, being in the military, I wasn't in there very long. Um, right now, my career was cut short um, with just a vehicle accident. Won't really go into it, but it involved the uh, the damage of my right arm to the point where the uh, doctors could not repair it. There wasn't enough left of my arm to fix, if that made sense. So the only thing they could do was to take it off. But uh, fast forward a couple of years, and here I am, 19 years old, laying in a hospital bed, waking up the day after a car crash realizing that my arm is gone. You know, I was uh, unconscious. So here I am, wake up. That shock alone would be enough to uh, to freak people out. You wake up and you've got a limb missing, you know, and you're in the hospital. What happened? So um, after the initial shock and so forth here, I mean, I, I kind of uh, went into a pity party, um, you know, pity me kind of thing, just uh, sitting there. I had my, my family, my relatives came down, uh, but I was in the hospital obviously for months uh, trying to recover. And that's a hard thing. You know, it was a veterans hospital, so you saw other veterans that were honestly a lot worse off than you were, but still that didn't make me feel any better. But I'm sitting here in the hospital over and over again, just day after day, the days start to blend together. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do now? You know, what does what my life look like at 19 moving forward? How am I going to, I mean, how am I going to get a job? What kind of job can I get if I have, only have one hand? I mean, I'm going to be so slow and so clunky and so... I just, you know, how, how can I ever even get out there and compete with people like ever again? You know, so I'm just sitting here going back and forth in my head, kind of like a you know, ping pong, you know, just hit it on one side of the table and back to the other. But I'm just I'm going back and forth. And, and literally, I just had an epiphany. And the epiphany was that I actually if I wanted to compete with people, I could never compete with people physically again. That's just a, something I had to admit to myself. Um, somebody who could do the exact same thing, would be able to do it better, perhaps, you know, maybe not better, but faster, definitely. So how can I really compete? Why would somebody ever want to hire me other than, you know, taking pity on me to give me a job? 
And I'm just thinking, it hit me. I had to know more than somebody else. I had to have a mental advantage. I had to, the knowledge I had in my head, exactly. The knowledge I had to have in my head had to be greater than somebody else's. They would want to hire me because of what I knew and what I could do from what I knew, not physically perform, because this is where, you know, there's physical jobs and there's other jobs that are mental that require you to sit back and think about things, how to do things better. I mean, I kind of look back and if you've ever heard of Stephen Hawking's, you know, and just pulling that up, I mean, here's a guy that's, you know, created huge things and look at his disabilities. But right. anyway, that kind of like get back from Stephen Hawking. <laughs> He's amazing, by the way. But um, no, it, it is. It is. And so let me ask you this question. Were you, you know, you'd said, hey, I'm a, a high school student, kind of a C plus student. That's why you, you went the military route. Now, all of a sudden you're having a realization of, man, I've got to use this brain. Um, was there an internal conflict of I'm not that smart? Can I not do this? Um, did, like, did that ever occur to you or did that thought, you know, burden you? It did. I mean, it's one step at a time. It took me a big step just to go from, you know, I couldn't physically compete to even having the epiphany of if I knew more than somebody else. But okay. that that's the motivation that I had. That's the the level playing field um, advantage that I had. So that was my, my plan of attack. I had to know more. So regardless of where I was at, I had to know more, study harder, and be better than the next guy. So I had to outperform somebody, at least mentally, and that's why people would want to hire me. So that's kind of the advantage that I took. And as a result of that, uh, as you can imagine, I was um, my right hand is gone. I was right-handed. So I threw a football, baseball right-handed. I wrote right-handed. Everything I did was right-handed. So right now you don't have a right hand and I wasn't ambidextrous, never really wrote with my left hand. I had to sit there for the next three to four months to teach myself how to write again. I mean, I couldn't even sign my own name on, on, uh, on hospital paperwork. I mean, I was like this, you know, back in the old Western days where it says just mark an X on the paper to, to <laughs> represent your name. That's about the extent of what I could do by holding a pen. So I had to teach myself that. And that only came after the epiphany of just realizing if I knew more than what somebody else is, I had to do this. It was like my only option, you know, where uh, Tony Robbins often says, hey, you know, if you want to eliminate all options, burn the boats, you know, burn it and move forward. And then that's the only option that you had. That was my only option. I just I had to get better. There was no other choice with it, which kind of made me excel at it harder. So that's, and that's, that's awesome. sort of um, what got me at least started down this path. That was the big jump start. Perfect. And so what was the process of reteaching yourself and relearning these things? Because, you know, for most of us, we think back to, you know, an act as simple as writing. And, you know, for example, I'm taking some notes on as your conversation. And as I'm writing, you know, relearn slash reteach, I'm like, I'm literally doing it with my hand and I'm not even thinking about the fact that I'm doing it, but you had to completely revamp your brain on, I can't just do this, you know? And I assume that there was like, like that instinct to just grab a pen with your right hand. You're like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Like, so in that process of relearning information, um, was there a trick that you discovered at some point that helped you get there faster? Was it just repetitiveness? Like how did you approach that, that technique of relearning things that you had learned from, you know, 19 years of life? No, I completely get it. I mean, right now, learning how to rewrite was something that you already learned how to do. 
you know, every kid learns how to do that either homeschool or at school and elementary, some form, but typically there was those little writing pad books. If you kind of remember it, it's the books that you go buy at the store. You flip the page open and this is the A page, you know, A, B, C, D. You have all these different pages with different letters and you're supposed to practice. You had these straight lines and dotted lines and you're just supposed to, um, if you can think of just write, slowly write, and it's a way of teaching yourself. Well, I remember that. So I remembered that that's how I learned before. So I realized if, you know, nobody's going to do it for me, you know, there was no tutors there. So I asked the hospital staff to get me a booklet, which they did. And I had to just sit there, you know, in, in bed or at a table and just slowly write. So for this, it was repetition. It was just very, as you can imagine, it was very weird, very frustrating, you know, trying to sit back and write. I mean, those people out there, I run across this a lot, Bob, with people who break their hand or break their arm on their dominant hand and they sit back and they have to use their other hand for a certain amount of time. And then they look at me and they go, Ed or Edward, I don't know how you do it, man. I just, I never thought about that. I mean, like, how did you do that? How do you, how do you tie your shoes and how do you put on your clothes with one hand? I just never thought about it. But those people uh, that kind of go into my world now understand what I deal with on a daily basis. But in the beginning it was repetition. It was definitely just, I had to do this. The, the, the ships were burnt. I had no other choice. This is the way I had to move forward. I had to at least be able to do get back to a basic. I had to dress myself. I had to obviously, you know, do all the other basic things that I do, sign my name, have paperwork. I had to be able to get up, have movement, all that other type of stuff. So that's what I focused on before I got discharged um, from uh, from the hospital. And and that's that's a that's a huge accomplishment in and in and of itself without uh, without anything else Jada feel just just that is, is huge because look I mean how many how often do we see people go down you know down down into a, a dark hole of despair because they don't have that mental fortitude to say okay well this sucks but I'm gonna do this instead or I'm gonna figure out a way over here. Well, and you mentioned something earlier just about um, you know as things happen. It took me even up to five or 10 years after that to reteach my brain how to not reflexively um, reach out with things with my right hand. Because, I mean, there are times obviously where, you know, something falls over, you knock a glass over or, you know, something's falling off of a thing, something falling off a table. You don't even think about it. It's reflex. You just reach out and grab it. You know, and there's often times where I reached out and it's like I would have caught it if I would have had a right hand, but nothing was there. And I'm like... So, I mean, it just took repetition. Again, it had to, that had to happen over and over again before I had to reteach my brain. I had to reach over to grab it or I had to do things differently. Even when um, I took, for instance, typing, um, I took typing in high school. Yeah, that's one of the classes that my class took. So with two hands, I mean, I was 100 words a minute or something. wasn't like super, super fast, but I could type with both hands. Well, now if I only had one hand, you know, computer industry, this was, again, the early 90s. So the computers were coming of age at that point in the early to mid-90s, laptops and desktops and things like that. So I had to learn how to retype again. So I couldn't do the standard typing. I had to think differently about how I'm typing because one hand had to go through the whole keyboard. So it just it's a retraining of it, and there was no training about that that was available. You just had to do it. You know, And it's like uh, the phrase, necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. That's what you had to do. I mean, I had no choice. And I just had to keep thinking, other people can do this. I have to do it too. Now, I might not be able to do it as fast, but again, I had to be able to, to I had to be able to do this. That's, that was what I kept telling myself. 
I had to do this. I had to get going. I had to make sure that I can make this happen. And that's that's awesome. Like that's what it that's what it takes, I think. And and not just not just in this particular instance, which obviously is true, but in, in a lot of our whenever we're facing a frustration uh, in our lives, and it's something that we need to relearn or redo or or get better at. It's it's that okay, I, this is something I, I have to do. Um, well, I, I wanna, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just wanting to sit back and just saying. So often students have this problem here. They get so caught up in their own thing. They have to just sit back and just listen, you know, cause you know, both you and I worked in the real estate and the coaching sort of industry. Students have to learn to just be able to do what the coach says, you know, regardless of what you think you have to do it, even if it seems silly or whatever, but this is what you have to do to get where you want to be. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not willing to get to the destination from that particular point. So again, repetition, if repetition is what it takes, this is what makes students successful and other students not because they're willing to put, put the repetition, the time in and other people aren't. So that's, that's hundred percent true. Um, so I, I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, you, you mentioned when this first happened, there was like the pity party at first and some frustration over, over this, what was, you know, Something that I, I think happens a lot, especially with entrepreneurs, is whenever we fail at something or something gets hard or difficult or, or we face a, a challenge that we're not sure how to overcome, um, or, or more importantly, or uh, not more importantly, but um, more specifically, if we fail at something, we think, you know, oh, I can't do this. I'm, I'm not made for this. There becomes a pity party that, and many times I've, I've literally seen it consume someone to the point of which they literally they end up handicapping themselves from whatever they're doing. And like, for example, one of the, one of the ways that I see this happen a lot is someone um, having taught, you know, tens of thousands of people about digital marketing. They come and say, Oh, I'm not a tech person. They've already given up on the idea that they could learn technology. That's not even something that they want to tackle. Right. So mm -hmm. I see this all the time. Um, but obviously in this case, you're facing something um, that, that you, you had this pity party for yourself for a minute. And then you, you said, okay, no, I, I have to get out of this. You know, what, was it just, you know, what do you think do you attribute that to that the desire to say, no, I'm not going to just sit here and stay in my pity party. I'm going to work through it and find a better way. I can tell you in one word, Bob, fear. Mm, okay. I was strictly afraid that I would not be able to support myself. Okay. I was afraid of not being able to, to just be out in the world to be a homeless person or, you know, to be one of these people that could, would not be able to do anything. So that's where I was just like the fear of, being nothing or losing or not being able to to move forward scared me to the point where the other the other option didn't seem to be so bad so that that's what that's what the driving factor was it's like you do this or you know whatever you know you're you're not going to have a place to live you know you're going to be out on the street and that really wasn't true that wasn't my situation at the time but that's kind of what i told myself you know this is you need to be able to support yourself. I mean, I was 19 years old. I was a man. I was an adult. You know, how am I supposed to support myself? I'm not going to have somebody else support me. I'm not going to be able to do that. So these right. are the things that were going through my head when I'm sitting back trying to, uh, you know, trying to overachieve that. And that drove me to make all the work that I did seem not so much. You know, other people would be kind of frustrated like can't believe i have to write this all the time why did this happen to me why why did you do this to me and it's just like they think about that all the time but once i was a, once i hit that fear and i just i turned away from that fear and it's like i never looked back and that that's just the biggest thing is just i was always afraid of 
I guess just failure. I guess if that makes sense. I no, mean, no, it does. No, it makes perfect sense. Like, listen, like Tony Robbins talks about all the time. Hey, like it's people will do more to avoid pain than seek pleasure. And so for you, there was a pain associated of if I don't figure this out, the alternative is going to be way, way, way worse. Um, and I think that's mm -hmm. something for a lot of people to think about, right? Like, you know, it, what's, what's the alternative. And I, I would be willing to argue that most of the time when someone just stays in that, they have associated the current pain to be more tolerable than whatever it's going to take to get out of said pain. Um, cause you know, it's, and, and, and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's an unfortunate thing, but it's, it tends to be very true. But I think what's more inspiring for everyone watching or listening right now is just to say, look, like, you know, most of us, most of us, like the, the, even the thought of going through what you've gone through is mind blowing, let alone having to rethink and redo and relearn everything. Um, and yet not only have you done that, you've excelled at it and you've owned it. And it's even become a part of who you are, your identity, your, you know, you, you, you like, at least to, from my perspective, like there's ever like this, Hey, you know, I, I'm using it as a, as a crutch. It's a, it's a part of, it's an ownership of who you are and your internal being. And mm -hmm. it just actually accelerates you further and makes you, to, in, in my eyes at least, uh, makes you seem even more powerful. Because it's like, man, here's a guy who has every reason not to do shit, but still does anyways because he's a badass. Right. I mean, you could use that as excuse and everybody would think that would be okay. Oh, okay, sure. You know, you, you, know, you, you can't do what other people, sure. And it's like, that's the, that's the cheap way out. You know, that, that's, in my opinion, that's just, that's the way I look at it. But keep in mind, Bob, there's another part of this um, that I haven't even brought up yet. When I was younger, I was a very competitive person. Mm -hmm. I didn't like to lose. <laughs> so, I mean, if I lost to a better person, I'd be fine with that. But I mean, I'm going to hit you hard. You know what I mean? Not like physically, right. but I'm going to approach this as, and now to have a competitive person like that, you know, be restricted on what you can do. That was even another level. But I mean, when you talked about what's that, what kind of got you out of that slum, it was that, that ability of being competitive. You know, I didn't want to lose. I mean, I'm just going to be completely upfront. I didn't want somebody else to beat me. You know, I wanted to be able to have the opportunity to be able to beat them or at least put me on the same playing field when it comes to, you know, something. So that was another thing that comes into this. That's, and that's perfect. I mean, that's, I, I think it shows through in everything that you've accomplished so far is, is, Hey, like you're going to, you're going to win. You're going to figure it out. You're going to find a way. So awesome. Well, I mean, um, I know this all seems kind of down here. I mean, I I don't want to bring everybody in the show down. It's like, oh, you know what? I was having a great day, and then now this kind of made me feel all bad. But hey, there there's some there's some joy, there's some sunshine, rainbows, all that good stuff at the end of this story. So I mean, uh, that was just the beginning part. Um, fast forward, you know, right now a couple of years, went to college. I actually got a, a bachelor's degree in physics with a minor in mathematics that was paid for by the Veterans Administration. So they helped me pay for the education. So and by the way, here, here's, here's the guy going, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm not so great of a student. And he goes after physics and mathematics. <laughs> probably too, like, this is not your communications degree or, you know, whatever. I mean, like, let's, this, that's, that's hard stuff. It is, man. That was, that was hard. But um, you know what? I have to admit, I'll geek out a little bit here. I was a huge MacGyver fan. I was a huge fan of MacGyver. How did you know all the stuff about physics and chemistry and all this other stuff? And that's kind of what got me interested. That's just uh, I'm sharing this on your show only. Bob. <laughs> only you have that information, but I was geeking out a bit. But um, no, I went there and slowly in the in the late in the um, sort of late '90s um, turned to computers. So uh, computers is one of those fields where 
I know a lot of people, this is back when Microsoft and their Microsoft certified systems engineer programs and all that kind of thing was going on. So, I mean, I took all of those. I mean, I've got so many ribbons and certificates of Microsoft certified this or Novell certified that. Ooh, I must have showed my age on that one. Yeah, right. I was like, there we go. There we go. I was a master certified Novell engineer. I mean, I did all of it to the extreme. I knew the most because likewise, that fit my persona. I wanted to know more than what other people. And that's what really excelled. When I when I worked in front of a computer, not having another hand didn't matter so much. It put me on a level playing field. So if I could work from the computer and make computer systems across the network work, everybody was happy and they were willing to pay me very well to do it because I showed confidence that when they, even when they, they met me, they're like, Ooh, I'm not sure about this person, but you know, the confidence showed through, this is what I know and this is what I can do for you. So that got me a lot of jobs, got me a lot of consulting. And again, that was my first career. I spent 18 years in it, made a very good career out of it. But you know, that's one of those, I hear those golden handcuff jobs, you know, that people <laughs> often talk about, you know, I don't want to leave it, you know, it's solid, you know, six figure paychecks, you know, every week, you know, you're getting the money, you've got weeks of vacation. But um, so when you talk about being an entrepreneur, I'm actually a late bloomer. So I mean, just think about the story here from when I was when I was 17, 19, got injured. I didn't even understand entrepreneurship yet. I was just trying to stay afloat. I was just trying to compete with, you know, regular jobs across America. You know, only when I got into college that I started understanding higher education and making some money. And then when I started getting more educated, then that's when I stumbled into, wow, why am I going to work for other people? I can <laughs> take this knowledge and put it to work for myself and have a, a completely different life that I want and still make just as much money and be free from the timetables of having to go to a nine to five every day. So that's uh, that's been the progression um, of it for right now. And again, I love the IT, but uh, I see a lot of people in IT switch over, you know, to uh, to real estate. It's, it's easy to kind of switch over, but unfortunately, in IT, there's there is a lid. You know, you do hit a lid, and uh, unfortunately, with certain companies, IT people are the first ones to kind of get let go when they're trying to cut the fat because they're the most heavily paid. It's a, it's a necessary skill, you know. I, I get it. Um, so, so you talked about being techie. I'm techie. I, I'm the tech person. <laughs> yeah. And when, I'm sure we could probably nerd out for the next hour on just, just oh yeah, just that. absolutely. <laughs> um, so was was real estate really the first foray, or I know you said some you'd done some consulting. Was that sort of the first foray into entrepreneurship? Like, you know, how did you head that direction? And was there any hesitancy on your end, or at that point did you already know you like? I got my knowledge. I'm good. I can roll with this. Sorry, let me clarify. The consulting was really more in IT. So I kind of worked for companies in the beginning, worked for some education, some universities and things like that. And then did consulting because when you work as a consultant and you're able to bill you for a much higher rate, of course, they can afford to pay you a much higher rate. So I did consulting up into sort of my um, you know, mid-30s or whatever and you know, mid-30s to, to 40. So again, um, I, I'm a little bit of a late bloomer here. But, you know, right now, at some point, it, it's kind of hard to make that transition. I'm sure people out there can relate to me. I'm, you know, I'm married, had a wife, been, you know, we've been married, going to be 24 years this year. We've got two daughters. We have kids growing up. You know, you don't want to disrupt the cycle. You want to give them a happy life. You know, you're making all this nice money, living in a nice house, and things are easy. That's, 
that's what got me, Bob, is things are easy. You get into that rut. You wake up every day. You put on your clothes. You go to work. You do this. You come home at 5, 530 in the, in the evening. You have dinner. You play with your kids. You watch a movie, whatever, do something. And then you wake up and you do it again. But then after months and months, years and years of that, you have to sit back and ask yourself, is that what my life is going to be about? Is that what I want for myself to sit back and just go to work every day where I had to be there, you know, and I'm watching all of these other people. This is when you start seeing all these YouTube videos about people, you know, living, you know, honestly, like you, Bob, I mean, I have to admit, I'm a little bit jealous, but um, <laughs> hey, it is what it is. You know, we're, we've got different lives, but people that roam around, they travel and be able to do some things. I'm like, I want my life to be more like that. Well, that's not going to happen where you're currently at. So then some, we had to make some changes. So it's kind of hard making that second career, you know, in your 40s, whatever, and just like, you know what, I want a do-over. You know, I want that do-over button. You know, I had my career. I went the wrong direction. Boop. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. I want a do-over, and uh, now I get to restart again. But that's just because I was smart in my first career, planned ahead, planned ahead and so forth. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, Bob. I mean, there's things I deal with every day. From just obviously being um, being disabled, but I look back at that you know that 19 year old kid, and I'm just like, I'm just still kind of in awe, just like, damn, that was me. <laughs> you know, I, I was. Do that you, look, do you yeah. look back at that kid in awe and go, man, like that kid formed gave gave me the strength to do what I'm doing now and make the choices I've made right now? Um, no, absolutely. I mean, that's it's the foundation of who you are. It's kind of that you know that character builder. What is your character? You know what? Where you know what defines you, and that was just one of those moments that you know that defined you, that helped you launch you down. Um, you know, because my life could have been completely different if we would have just made a different decision back in that hospital bed. If I didn't decide to rewrite and I took the pity party and I decided what was me and life's always against me and I took that kind of negative attitude, where would I be? You know, I I don't know. I mean, I don't even want to think about that. Yeah, I, I care to even daydream about because it's not pleasant. No, and I, I agree. It's not something to definitely not something to daydream about, but definitely something to honor honor that 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 young Edward that said, "Yeah, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this happen. I'm gonna figure it out because it's created created opportunity for us to have this conversation. Because without that, we wouldn't be, which I'm super grateful for." Well, and then I mean, back up to a little bit here uh, about a decade ago, I really started getting involved in just my finances. You know, I wanted to be financially free. What does that mean? You know, what does it mean to be financially free? What does it mean to escape the rat race? If that makes sense for those people that uh, are, you know, do the cash flow Robert Kiyosaki games and things like that, if you've ever heard that term. But, you know, what does that mean? You know, it means just being able to live the life that you want, you know, having the life outside of, you know, being able to make your own money, in a sense, print your own money by what you know. Taking what you know, add value and help others. And then you get value in return, some non-monetary, but hopefully some monetary <laughs> you know, value. And you know, from that, uh, you know, you can live and have the life that you want. So that's why I chose real estate because it's something that's creative. It's something that doesn't always have to be the same over and over. You could do different things. There's so much in real estate, you know, that you and I talked about that you know you can do. That it's just it's exciting. It wakes you up every day. You know, I mean, as soon as you wake up. What do I get to do today? You know, what kind of things am I, who am I going to be able to help today? You know, by buying their house. There's somebody out there that has a problem. Like I was a 19 year old person that had a problem. You know, who's out there that is looking for that sort of, uh, you know, that help. And I can have that, you know, reach out my hand and help them and 
and make it a win-win situation for everybody. So I love doing that. I love going out and meeting and talking to people. And uh, that's why I'm in rentals because rentals are a great, great way to acquire wealth. And now that I'm managing other people's rentals as far as, and in my own rental portfolio, I want to teach others how to do it. Yeah. I want to teach uh, again that the, hence the veteranlandlord.com i want to teach other people give other people resources on how to do it and that's what i speak about at rea group clubs and everything else just how do you get involved with the rental properties how do you manage them how do you make sure you don't lose your shirt what what should you know about ahead of time so that it doesn't scare you or or cause you pause in the future and it's i kind of use the example bob i tell people when i'm speaking it's like what I'm going to do to you now in this presentation is kind of like telling you what's going to happen in a scary movie. Like if somebody tells you, watch out here in five seconds, somebody's going to hop out from behind there with a machete and chop and start chopping at people. If somebody tells you that, and then you see it five seconds later, you're like, man, you just, you blew the movie for me. It wasn't right. even scary <laughs> at all. You told me what was going to happen. That's exactly what we do with our students. That's what I try to help people with. I'm telling you what's going to happen. I'm telling you what you're going to face so that it's not scary. Because when you know what's going to happen, there's no fear to be to be had. Yeah. Fear, fear, fear is derived from the unknown of what might happen. Ooh, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got that from somebody else. I don't think I'm smart enough. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a Bob McIntosh original. Okay, got it. It, it might be. It might be moving forward because I have no idea where I got it from. But uh, oh, you're yeah. gonna have to go back and requote that one. That's gonna be a good one. <laughs> but no, it's. Um, I've really just been enjoying things, and it's just every day it's something different. I mean, right now, but the biggest thing I keep up is just having a, a positive um, mental attitude. And it kind of made me think. I saw one of these memes. Of course, there's lots of memes, right? All <laughs> over. Uh, all over. So but, many memes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually a meme of a soldier that had both of his legs blown off above the knees. And it was kind of a quote on there. And the quote was just saying something like, um, you know, how can you have such a positive attitude, you know, and both your legs are gone. And the return of that was like, well, how can you not have a positive attitude with having your legs? You know, kind of a thing. It's like, you know, you've got your legs and and you don't even have a positive attitude. So why don't you have a positive attitude when you've got it? I've got it and I don't even have legs. So it's kind of a mental, you know, breaking down that mental barrier with uh with people here. So no, and, and that's perfect. And I and I think, you know, I remember you you kind of asked me like, hey, like what like what are we going to talk about? What are we going? And for me, it's it's about that. It's about bringing in different people with different perspectives. And I think that what you just said about the the meme of the legs is the perfect encapsulation, right? Like, here you are facing something at a young age that dramatically is going to change every aspect of your life, um, and yet you're thriving despite that. You're you're crushing it more so than most people who have every advantage, everything you know that 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 have all of the all of their limbs and and maybe were A plus students or came from the right place, the right family, have college graduate parents. You know, like there's a million things that that, that were excuses for you not to do what you're doing today, and yet you have. And and if I'm if I can summarize a little bit, I think of of what makes you. It's going back to that competitive attitude of saying I'm not going to lose, I'm going to win. I don't know how. I may have to relearn some things, but it's not going to stop me. Is that a, is that a fair fair assessment? Right. I'm going to make you beat me. I'm not going to give it to you. You're going to work for it. And that's actually funny because I've just, believe it or not, Bob, I've actually just here this last year taken up golf. Mm. 
So, and I mean, that's something that, um, that it's possible to do does take a lot of obviously, you know, trying to do that. It's a bit frustrating, but it's, it's kind of funny because I was playing golf <laughs> earlier, uh, not earlier today, but just earlier this year. And I have friends of mine that are, they, they don't try to be jerks. You know, they kind of uh, play with me because they know me, but they're like, Hey dude, I just, you know, Ed, I just want to let you know, I'm not having a one-armed guy beat me in golf. I could not take that in my ego. <laughs> you know, me being the competitive guy I am, I'm just like, okay, I'll let that go. I'll let it slide. But again, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to make you work for it. So, right, right. <laughs> Remind me never to play golf with you because I am terrible and you would probably kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, at, um, I was at Top Golf recently with one of my good friends in, in uh, Dallas. And uh, we get there and he's like, he's like, so how, how good are you at golf? I assume you're pretty good since you're like in the business world. I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm terrible. And like, <laughs> the whole time we're there, he's just like, dude, he said, you, I know you said you were bad, but geez, I was like, hey man, I came to top golf, not for the golfing. I came for the, the great drinks, the good company, and maybe occasionally I'll hit a ball in the right direction, kind of. <laughs> for the experience. That's why you go to top golf, to have that top golf experience. Absolutely. 100, 100%, 100%. Um, Okay, so what prompted you to want to take up golf? I needed, um, well, I mean, there's a whole other story behind that. But um, probably about six or seven months ago, I wanted to sort of, I, I told you earlier about sort of living the life that you want. I was working so much in my business, you know, being an entrepreneur, got my head down. I started to sit back and I was listening to a bunch of stuff and I was letting other parts of my life go. So letting hobbies go, you know, as far as, you know, any hobby that you had, well, work isn't your hobby. You can't have work be the only thing that you do. You have to be, have other things, even if it's going someplace and shooting darts or playing golf or, you know, playing tennis or something like that. These are sports that I can play and I can be competitive at. I just have to get better at them. And it just takes repetition and practice for me to be able to do that. But it was just to make a more well-rounded me. I wanted to yeah, I, I wanted to have something else to do with my friends and to expand my circle of friends into other areas socially, you know, mm -hmm. other than, you know, going out someplace and, uh, you know, having dinner or something like that. So Makes something sense. that we can have more of a athletic, more activity physically in it and just kind of, um, you know, getting back to my friends. You know, I wanted to make sure that um, I spent time with my friends in a way that uh, I wasn't just like the go out to eat guy. You know what I mean? So don't call that guy. He all he wants to do is go out and you know go out and get something to eat, or he always goes to the same place. She goes, oh, well, there's other things that we can do, hiking, you know, things like that that I am capable of doing. So that's what it is. It's just to make a more well-rounded me and just to show people that I can, you know, because people out there when they look at me, man, I get a lot of I get a lot of double double stares and triple stares out of a golf course because it's almost like you know it's like a double take. They thought they missed something. They'll look around and they'll look. <laughs> their eyes will pop back. It's like, Did I just see what I thought I saw? <laughs> so it is fine. I mean, by, by the way, I'm 100% picturing you just like with 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 your your arm up, holding the golf club, like but like lasso swinging it, and they're like running uh -huh. to the ball and smacking it. Like I have no idea. I'm sure that's not not at all what you do, but for some reason, I'm just like like but like with like just pure glee of like whacking that shit, and it like goes like 400 yards, and we're just like, what the? <laughs> what just happened? You know exactly. So that's one of those uh, just competitive things. And it goes back to just being competitive too. You know, I've had to let that go a little bit. You know, I can't really let that bring me down every time a friend beats me or I get beaten. I just look at it as, 
you know, hey, I got beaten, repetition, I'll do better next time, I'll do better. As long as I keep doing something repetitively with the goal of getting better and better at it every time, eventually I will beat somebody. There'll be that day that somebody else's game is off and my game will be better than theirs. So I will beat you, but I will make you work for it. I love that. I love that. And that's if you're watching or listening to this, how can you adopt that same mental attitude into what you're doing? Cause it's going to, it's going to push you to get out of your own way and be successful. And no matter what you're doing. I love no, absolutely. It. People are like, you know, the one thing I, I hate is when students and other people that we have see, you know, see that sort of that grass is greener on the other side kind of things like, yeah, you know, these people can do it, you know, but I can't, those people were no different than you were, you know, even, you know, just months or a couple of years ago. So you can be, people look at it and go, oh, well, I cashed these big checks or I did this big rehab or, you know, I'm, I'm selling a million dollars online with my products and I'm able to travel the world. And they look at that, people just, their brains shut down. That's not me. I can't do that. That must be them. No, it's that whole game of golf I told you about. I suck, but every time I get better and I will beat you. You know, there will be a time where if I keep going, I will beat you. I know that it's just a numbers game. Let's kind of sit back and just keep crushing through it. And at the end of the day or whatever, it might take me a year, but there'll be a day where you look at the scorecard and I will beat you. 100%. Because I, because I don't give up. I keep trying. Challenge accepted. Hold my beer. Let's go. <laughs> like I said, I tell people, it's like I, I even kind of challenge people. It's like, Hey, I just want to let you know we're going to have some fun, but I'm going to, I'm going to beat you. You know, you're going to lose. And I just kind of you know, talk crap like that right in the very beginning. Like, oh, really? It. Really? <laughs> you're going to beat me? Hey, I'm just letting you know right up front. You know, I'm just before we can get started here so you're not angry, upset at the end. I'm just letting you know I'm going to beat you now. <laughs> <laughs> just playing that sight game, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I, and you know what though, but that that confidence that confidence carries through. That confidence creates the ability to go after challenges, knowing that hey, even if I do lose, I put it out there, and I I, I know I gave my best. And I think that's something that's uh, invaluable, and in, especially as a business owner or in, just in life and period. No, people can see it, Bob. People can see that confidence, and that's I think they can probably see it more in somebody like myself because they look at you and figure you would have a lack of confidence because of of what you are just like when you see other people speak, you know, when you see, you know, other um, disabled or handicapped speakers, motivational people get up there and talk and you, you look at them and you're just like, man, how can, how can I possibly have that attitude if I'm them? You know, and then that makes you reflect inside of yourself saying, man, if they can have this kind of stuff, I must really suck. <laughs> if I can at least have the same level, if I can't bring that same energy to the table as this guy, you know, what's wrong with me? You know, there's nothing wrong with me. I have every advantage over this person, but that it's just that kind of mental fortitude that, that people see. And they're just like, they feel it whenever you get up and you, you speak, you know, they're like, wow, you know, this guy's got this, but I mean, he knows his game. I mean, he's on top of it. You can just feel it. And then the whole thing, you know, the, again, that's why people don't even notice that I'm, I'm missing an arm. You know, right now they don't even notice up front because they're more focused on just looking at you because you look directly in their eyes and you keep their eyes focused on you. They don't they don't see you, you bring the right kind of energy. So I'm not looking for a reason to not talk to you. I'm looking for a reason to stay engaged. 
But it's just kind of funny when that happens. And people yeah. have to sit back and they always apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even notice that earlier. I'm like, why are you apologizing for? You know, that's you, a compliment you, to me. You, so thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. I take that as a compliment. Exactly. <laughs> that's perfect. Awesome, man. Well, this has been a great conversation. And and I hope that every one of you watching or listening has taken away something that you can work on your mental fortitude on and, you know, how can you make someone else work work to win against you no matter what you're doing? So, Edward, if people want to check you out, find more about you, where can they find you? I mean, right now, just Google me. I'm on m- multiple social media platforms, Edward O'Daniel. Like I said, uh, veteranlandlord.com for those people that are in real estate that want to know rentals. That's our, you know, we have a ton of free stuff out there. You just have to go out there and uh, sign up for your account. And we've got a ton of stuff in there for education for you. But um, that's it. Check me out on Facebook. Check me out on Instagram. I'm there, just uh, Edward O'Daniel. That apostrophe sometimes gets people, by the way, and the O'Daniel. So sometimes you'll pull up different results depending on what you're searching for. But uh, I'm out there. Come find me. You know, peekaboo. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks. thanks for being on. Truly appreciate your time so far. Appreciate it, Bob. Thanks, man. It's good to see you again. Good having yeah. the conversation. I hope it does help somebody out there just kind of change their mind a little bit and just make that one little mental shift. You know, maybe they're at that road of their life where like I was when I was 19 in that uh, hospital bed. You need that one decision and that one decision, that choice that you make right now can launch you down a completely different path that years in, in the future. You look back and says that was the moment. That was the moment I heard that on the radio. Or I watched Bob's podcast and that right there is what what my change my the direction of my life and that's perfect I would, I would love to create that that moment for as many people as possible and and every episode of this show does that and so for each of you watching and listening thank you for being a part of this um your rating subscription and review of this show no matter what platform you're on helps for us to create that moment potentially for somebody else because when you do that it pushes this stuff out there further and this is great conversations for me as i always say but it's even better when you share it with friends family uh other people that you know because hey like uh edward just said if you can make the impact to one person why wouldn't you so do make sure you subscribe rate and review this i would very much appreciate it as always thank you for being on we'll see you guys on another episode next week take it easy This podcast is sponsored by 3 Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, 3 Degrees Consulting is your go-to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G-O, the number three, D is in degrees, C is in consulting.com. Go check them out right now.